You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Uh, Today we're in the book of Mark still, and then next week we'll launch into our Christmas season uh, uh, message series. But the book of Mark, what a great book. We've been in this for a couple weeks now, and today is the final week of the introduction of the book of Mark. And then when we hit 2020 in January, we will be in the book of uh, Mark for most of the year and maybe even into 2021, uh, the way we're laying it out because we won't go uh, straight through. But uh, we're excited for 2020. Uh, We'll be back in that. But for today, today is going to be the second part of Mark's memorable day. And uh, last week we talked about a memorable day after he said to the disciples, follow me. And by the way, Jesus is still saying, follow me. He wants us to follow him. He picked up a few disciples, James and John and then Simon and then Andrew. There, he's in the synagogue. He's teaching. And he's, can you just imagine what it'd be like to uh, sit under the teaching of Jesus, the best teacher that ever lived? The, it said in the scripture there that the people were astonished. They were amazed amazed. And then a man with an unclean spirit walks in and interrupts the service is the way I see it. And Jesus takes authority over that situation. And he casts the demon out. He silenced the demon. And again, it says that the people were amazed and astonished. And I was thinking about it this week as I was studying. Not only were the people astonished and amazed, Mark would have been astonished and amazed. This was early on in Jesus' ministry, and he would never forget that day. And that was the first half of his day. And I was thinking, we said last week, aren't there days that we remember we, and last week I mentioned some horrible days, some negative things, uh, when tragedy hits or when you lose a job or when there's a divorce or when there's a death of a loved one. But there's also positive days that we will never forget, days that we would never want to forget. Can you think of some days like that? Maybe it was Thanksgiving Day this week, you know, the meal that you had. You never want to forget that, right? Or maybe it was your favorite birthday or your wedding. Well, for me, my mind went to vacation. How many enjoy a good vacation here or there, right? Well, uh, a few years back, Jessica and I were on vacation, and we were on a cruise, and one of the ports that we stopped at was in the Turks and Caicos Island, one of the most beautiful places in the world, and in one of the best beaches. Oh, yeah, look at me there. I was quite the stud. This is my 15-year anniversary, and I was still riding a motorcycle then, and you say, how do I know that? It's because I was shaved my head for years when I rode motorcycles, and some of you guys remember that, Um, but anyway, so this was 2011, and uh, and we went with our, our good friends, Phil and Shannon, look at us, we're there on an uh, exclusive beach. We walked way down, and uh, Jessica's going to kill me for showing you this picture, but uh, she's not here for service. So, uh, But anyway, uh, but that was that. And this was the first part of our day. We pulled into town, and uh, we had a great day. This is a day that I would never want to forget. And as the day went on, we enjoyed the beach there, had a great time. 
And you can go to the next one. We kind of went up into the island a little bit there and uh, had an awesome, awesome day. But that was only half of the day. And there's another part of the day that we will never forget as well. Because as we're making our way back to the ship, there was this bull, and I'm not kidding, a full bull with horns and everything, that had a little bucket connected to his head with nothing in it, and it was just roaming the street. And we thought, someone thought that that bucket was going to hold it in place. And we were just talking about it and having a good time. And uh, Phil and Shannon uh, were with us. And so Shannon and Jessica, simultaneously, something hit us funny. How many have ever been in a situation like that? Something hit them and we were all laughing and, and it was absolutely a riot. We will never forget that day. Now, uh, that was a day that we never want to forget because it's so much fun. Well, Mark had a similar type of day. Last week, we looked at the first half of his day, and today we're going to look at the second half of that day that was so memorable. It was incredible. Mark is writing the gospel. He's looking back decades previous. And last week, remember, the bottom line was that Jesus has all authority. Remember, that was kind of the big takeaway. And the, the, really, that takeaway carries over to today. And we looked at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. But the story continues. The second half, it's a continuation of thought. And when we get to verses 29 through 34... It's a good story. It's a great story. In fact, it was so good that the other writers of the gospel told the story as well. It was a significant day, and it was reinforced not only by the gospel writer Mark, but Matthew and Luke wrote about exactly what is about to happen, what we're going to read here in a second as well. So all three of the synoptic gospels captured this story. And so without further ado, turn in your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 29 through 34. Here we go. It says, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he was. They knew him. As we read that, I want to, to uh, give you two other passages that tell the same story. You can write these down. We're not going to read these, but Luke chapter 4, verse 38 through 41. Uh, we see Luke, the doctor, he's describing this, and he describes the fever as a mega fever, and it was a fever that would have taken the life, the life of uh, Simon's mother-in-law for sure. Uh, we see that he's laying on of hands, and we see that at once, just in the moment Jesus uh, touched her, um, there was total healing. Everyone say total healing. 
And then in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 through 17, uh, Jesus doesn't, it doesn't say that he touched her, but he actually spoke to the fever. And so it's a little different variation, uh, same story, and, but at once there was total healing. Everyone say total healing. And what's interesting to me is as you read the Gospels and you read them in their entirety, we see a pattern. It's kind of a, a theological uh, uh, working of, of healing and of miracles. And we see that everyone, every single time they had a connection with Jesus, they were healed. Total healing. Everyone, every single time, healed. It didn't matter if he was laying on of hands or if he was speaking the word. God is a God who heals. Amen? And it happened. It's, it's like it's happening. It's happening. The time is fulfilled. The time is now. A new season has emerged, and Mark is capturing this here. Like never before, Jesus literally is banishing sickness. In fact, it's really a, a fulfillment of Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And in verse 15, it says, The time has come. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is there. He's ministering now. And the ministry that, that marked, uh, the, the thing that marked Jesus' ministry were miracles and healings, and the, the demons had to flee. And there was a pattern, even in the book of Mark, where Jesus is cleansing the leper, he's healing the paralytic, he's healing the person with the withered hand, the demonized man in chapter 5 is healed, he's healing women, he's healing men, Jairus' daughter, the, those, they all were healed at uh, Gennesaret, um, he heals a deaf man, he heals a blind man, he heals a boy with an unclean spirit, and he heals even blind Bartimaeus. And those are all stories just in the Gospel of Mark. And it didn't matter if Jesus was in the synagogue, or if he was at someone's home, or if he was in the streets. The bottom line is that Jesus was working in the, in the gifting of miracles, and he was healing. And you can get a theology of healing, and it goes back to that idea that everyone every time was healed. And the more you read these stories, and as we get through the gospel of Mark, which we will next year, you're going to see that Mark writes these things. Yes, they're supernatural, but he writes them much as, like it's just matter of fact, like, and it just happened. Yes, it was miraculous, but it was Jesus. And everyone, every time was healed. And the reason behind that goes back to our bottom line last week is that Jesus has all authority. No doubt, divine healing. And the story unfolds, and we look at these verses that we read, and let's start in Mark chapter 1, and let's see what we can glean from these verses in regards to God healing and in regards to God meeting needs and uh, doing the supernatural. Let's look at it. It says, and immediately, verse 29, he left the synagogue. So it's the same day, second half of the day. And he entered the house of Simon and Andrew. He was with James and John. How many notice that the word immediately is there again? It's Mark's favorite word, used over, I think, 42 times in the gospel. 
just, uh, again, it's fast-paced. It's kind of rapid-fire. He shows up in the home of Peter and Andrew. And what I want you to see here, number one, in, is that there was an invitation. And I want us to consider our invitation. After a long day at church, they're in the synagogue. They head home to a place in Capernaum, which ended up being the hub for Jesus for that season of his ministry. After he'd been rejected in Nazareth, he went to Capernaum, Jesus did, and he resided with Simon, with Peter, in his home. And the question that came to my mind is, what kind of home would Jesus choose to visit and to grace them with his presence? What kind of home would Jesus look to spend time with? Well, he ended up at Peter and Andrew's home where they had experienced his uh, and put, his, put their faith in Jesus. And so they, it was a believer's home. The people there, they had embraced Jesus, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 18. They were devoted to Jesus. And we find out in this story that the people there were service-oriented type of people. Simon's mother-in-law, after she's healed, she gets up and she is serving. It's very hospitable. When you say, what kind of home would Jesus look to reside in? Hospitality. He's looking for a believer. He goes where he's invited. But then the supernatural happens. There's healings. There's miracles happen. And I would say, for that to happen in our homes, in our lives, we need to invite Jesus into our home. Is your home a place where Jesus is welcome? If you have guests over, and I've, you know, maybe you had guests over this week, or maybe you visited somewhere, uh, in most cases, not all the time, but in most cases, people are cleaning up and you know uh, making sure that you know there's not you know dirty underwear you know on the floor or you know that the you know that the, you know things aren't out and about. You pick things up, put it all underneath the bed, whatever it takes, right? And so it appears like you live like that all the time. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, thank you. But in our own homes, and even in our own hearts. If we want Jesus to reside, if our invitation is for him to come, do we need to clean up a bit, clean house? We would want a home that would make time for him, where we could enjoy his presence, so to speak. Last week I told a story about Jessica and I taking authority over some things in our home and we, we cast some uh, evil spirits out of our home and uh, we, we shared that at the end of the message last week and Jessica after the service she came up and said don't forget that we anointed uh, with oil just about everything in our house. We, we're that type of person just so you know. <laughs> We got the anointing oil out, and we were anointing the door frames and the beds and the pillows. And I mean, we took authority, and we welcomed Jesus into our home. The first thing to consider when we want the Holy Spirit to be moving and to be meeting needs is our invitation. 
But there's something else there. And let's look at it. Mark chapter 1, verse 30. It says, Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told Jesus about her. Immediately. Again, we see Mark's favorite word. They share the need with Jesus. What do we call that when you share the need with our Heavenly Father? We do that now through what? Through prayer, right? Through intercession. The next thing is what we see is our intercession. What we do, we bring our requests before the Lord. We bring those requests to Jesus because He's the one who has all authority. Amen? Now, the natural inclination, especially when you have a special guest over, is you don't always talk about the negatives in our lives. We don't want to bother the person that may, we may be bringing over. And even worse is we will sometimes conceal the problems that we're facing when we have a special guest or a person of honor in our home. And we want to make sure that it looks like we've got it together. And I'm, I'm just like you, and we're all that way. But how many times are we struggling, or we're hurting, or there's this hopeless feeling, and we don't talk about it? We don't want to bring it up. We don't want to pray about it even. We don't certainly want to share that with someone else. But in this story, when Jesus came to the house, they told Jesus immediately. They partnered with it. And I just want it for us to understand that we need to intercede with Jesus for those in our family who have needs that Jesus and his power can touch. Amen? I watched a movie this week with our family. We went to see the movie Mr. Rogers. How many have seen the movie already? Okay, like three people. All right, no, okay. Well, I encourage you to see it. I'm, you know, although I'm not usually in the recommending mode, uh, especially in the pulpit. But Mr. Rogers is a clean movie, clean enough. Um, but what's interesting about his life, I didn't watch Mr. Rogers growing up. And um, I, I was talking with my parents. They saw the movie before we did. And they're like, yeah, uh, Mr. Rogers. And, I'm, and I was like, yeah, I've never seen Mr. Rogers. They're like, really? I said, remember, we didn't have a TV until I was nine years old. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, so I was giving them a hard time about that. But anyway, uh, but in the movie... What's crazy, and I didn't even know this about Mr. Rogers, is that, that Mr. Rogers, it was a kid's programming, but he dealt with serious, tough topics. And uh, as you, if you see the movie, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. And he wasn't afraid to kind of dive in deep with his little puppets and made it all good, right? And, and it was interesting. It was, a, it was a great, great little movie. But, uh, but anyway, but what was Peter's first response in this story in the book of Mark? Simon, he shared the need with Jesus. He didn't hide the pain. He didn't say, oh, you know, my mother-in-law, you know, we're going to just hide her away and pretend like she's not sick. He trusted Jesus with the hard stuff. I want that to sink in. And for us, let's intercede with Jesus for, the, for those in our family who need Jesus' power, right? Seriously. We need to be real. We need to be transparent. 
We are not alone. We need to share for support's sake in our lives. Now let's just pause here for a second. There's no one that's here or no one that's listening online that has it all together. I know some of you are closer than others, but no one has it all together. And so let's not idolize someone else. Let's not look at someone else in their situation and think that they don't have any issues. We are all the same, amen? And we all need a Savior. Now, that doesn't mean we divulge all of our family secrets, all of our dirty laundry. Um, I have uh, I've seen people over-disclose and embarrass, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. What we're talking about here is asking Jesus to come in and that the supernatural would be at work. And we need to be opening the door to Jesus. So it's our invitation, it's our intercession, confessing our needs to him And by the way, he can handle it, can he? Amen. Amen. Let's continue. Mark chapter 1, verse 31. There's a third thing that we see happen here. Verse 31, it says, And he came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. I love this. You're saying, what? The miracle happened. It was instantaneous. And it was so matter of fact. You read that and it's like, and then Mark is on to the rest of the story. But let's just pause here for a second. And let's understand that this speaks to our expectation. When we invite Jesus in and we intercede, what do we expect? What do we really believe? And there's this battle between faith and our doubt. In this case, the fever, which was considered to be a disease, and we don't know how long she had had it, what other symptoms she might have had, but what we do know is that Jesus touched her, right? And in the moment that he touched her, and in Matthew's version, the moment he spoke to the fever, the fever left just like that. And it it reminds me of a story in my family, when I was 14 years old, my sister was 13 years old. She was playing basketball. It was during the basketball season. And my sister, uh, one day she was totally fine, basketball practice. The next morning, she woke up with an extreme fever to the point that we took her to the hospital. And they, she was in the hospital for two weeks with a fever. And what's interesting about this story, and I talked with my mom about it this week, is that for nearly two weeks, my sister struggled. Her fever would be consistently over 102, sometimes spiking as high as 106. They ran every test they could, and the fever did not break for two weeks. But it did at the end of that two weeks, and it was just like instantaneous. The doctors actually wrote in her notes in the dismissal that it was a fever with an unknown origin. We don't know what happened. We never figured out what happened for my sister. But my sister Jamie, once she was touched by the Lord, she was back to normal. She was back to school, and she was back to playing basketball. 
Why did it happen? My mom and I, we were talking about it. My mom was like, oh, I'm so thankful you're asking me these questions on Thanksgiving week. I'm so thankful for God's touch. And it was, it was fun. But um, my mom was like, we don't know what happened in the, you know, with different roommates in that two weeks. And what happened on that pediatric floor with the nurses and the doctors. Because my mom and my dad literally did not leave my sister's side for those two weeks. My sister, older sister, was able to drive, and literally it was my older sister and me. And I remember the feeling like, are they ever going to come home? <laughs> and they did. But what about, what about our, our expectation? When we pray, when we intercede, what is the expectation? Do we expect the supernatural are we expecting miracles? Are we expecting God to heal? And I would say yes, yes, yes. The story here, Simon and Andrew, they expected Jesus to fix the problem. Don't you agree? And for us, we need to bring our need to Jesus, expecting Jesus to help. To expect divine healing to be the regular occurrence in our lives. Whether it's by the spoken word of God or being touched by the Lord, we can expect God to move. Amen? And then there's one more thing that we see here. Let's look at the last few verses. Verse 32, it says, That evening at sundown they brought him to him, all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick and with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. The last thing here we see is a messy picture. It's like put on the mask because he's going out to the sick people, right? He didn't want to get sick himself. And Jesus, we see him touching people. We see Jesus interacting with people, interacting with the destitute. And he cast out demons. Diseases were gone. And what happens when that type of activity of the supernatural is happening? The word gets out, doesn't it? And what I want to share on that last piece is our communication. So not only our invitation and our intercession, our expertise, expectation, but then our communication. We, we can learn from this. And uh, the idea is here that we need to let the news spread. Amen? That Jesus is in my home, right? Let the word of God know, or let, let others know that Jesus is resident, that Jesus has healed, that Jesus has overcome, that Jesus has moved in a relationship, that Jesus has touched, Jesus has provided. Let your voice be heard. And we see Jesus at work in so many ways. And sometimes we minimize supernatural things that are happening in our midst, and we don't even recognize them. And so we want to, to be aware of what Jesus is doing. And then we want to communicate. We want to herald those good news. We need to give Jesus the credit. Amen? What we're talking about is our testimony. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. 
When we share our testimony of what God has done or what God is doing, it is a faith builder for other people. And part of our testimony must include the truth that Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all authority. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for moving in our midst. And Lord, as we prepare uh, to give you some extra time in our lives this Thanksgiving weekend, we give you room in the service to meet needs. Lord, I pray that your hand would be with us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be at work here in a supernatural ways. And Lord, even as we even before we get started with our Christmas to remember, Lord, I pray that today would be a day in your house like no other, that you would have your way. Lord, we give you the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as we close, I want you just to ask the simple question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking in our midst today? We hit four different things. On the invitation side, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in regards to cleaning up your home. And that might be your home in your heart, but it could quite literally mean your home. Maybe there's things that you've allowed in your home that you need to take authority over and kick out. Get rid of. Get a trash bag. Fill it. Burn it. Destroy it. When I think of cleaning house, I think of repentance. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, right? That's where Jesus, you know, was kind of his coming out. And he, he says, you know, now I'm here. He says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is at hand, right? And then he says this, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. Repentance means there's a 180 degree turn. You're going one way and now you're going a different direction. And it's quite possible that there are those here today that need to repent. And whether that's a coming back to the Lord or it's just a cleaning up of your heart or your home, repentance is number one. That's the invitation. The second piece was that piece of intercession. What does your life look like? What does your prayer life look like? Are you praying and fasting over the things that you have needs over? My encouragement is to press in. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking God to move. And where is your expectancy? That's a third piece. You need to live like it's already happened. Amen? When you pray, you pray with expectancy that God, He is moving. And the reason we can do that is because Jesus is the one that we're calling upon, and He has all authority. And I love what one commentator said. He said, only those under authority have the right to exercise authority. And so if we come under the authority of Jesus... We submit, we repent, and we are believing the gospel. At that point, we see it modeled in Scripture that there's an authority given 
to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to move in situations. N.T. Wright, another commentator I've been studying, he says this, and I'll close with this, and then we'll, we're going to sing. It says, when the church learns again how to speak and act with the same authority, the same authority as seen in Mark chapter 1 here, we will find both the saving power of God, that's salvation. He says we'll both find both the saving power of God unleashed once more, which that's what we're believing for this season, aren't we? And a similar heightened opposition from the forces of darkness. So when we start taking territory and we come under authority and we take authority because we are children of God, we know that not only will that cause people to come to Jesus, but it will also heighten demonic activity, forces of darkness. But then he goes on and he explains that the demons after the cross, they still can screech, they can still make noise, but the demons have no authority because Jesus took it all on the cross. So we don't have to fear. And we get to be welcomed in to that. That we can experience that. The healing touch of God. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to ask that you stand here, everyone across this place, we're going to open up the altars for worship, but we're also, we're going to open up the altar for those of you that need a touch from the Lord. You're carrying a burden. You're carrying a need that you shouldn't be carrying because God says cast our cares on him. And we are just going to believe together that even now, we're December 1st, that God, he will be moving in our situations. And if you move forward and you come forward, we're going to have some prayer partners. Some of our elders are going to come and pray and lay their hands on you. We're going to speak God's word over you. And we're just going to believe God is going to touch people today. Do you believe it? Amen. Amen. I know our numbers are a little smaller today, but let's respond today with understanding that Jesus, he wants to move life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, as we respond today, we step out in faith, trusting you, believing you. God, I pray that you would meet us. And just like this song that we sang earlier, that you are the way maker. You're moving in our midst. Lord, I pray that you would do all these things in Jesus' wonderful, powerful name. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's worship the Lord. And if you feel led, I want you to step out and we will pray with you this morning. Amen. I'm going to encourage you. Just I'm going to ask one more time. There's something about stepping out. The, the reality is we all have needs. I get that. And you're saying, ah, oh, maybe my need's not as important as someone else's. Listen, your need, the thing that you're struggling with, the thing that you have been carrying, you can bring that to the Lord. Do you have to step out? No. God can meet you where you are. But I'm going to tell you, there's something. It's an act of faith when you step out and you come. And, and what I envision this morning is we together are kicking the devil in the teeth by saying, you know what? I'm going to trust God for my situation. 
I'm going to step out. I'm going to come forward. And, and, I, and I don't want this to feel like I'm pressuring, but I believe that God wants to meet some of you in a powerful way. So I'm just curious. The altars are open. We've got prayer partners here, and we will pray. We'll anoint you with oil. We will uh, put our arms around you. We'll cry with you. We want to meet needs today because we serve a miracle-working God, a healing God. Amen? That's who we serve. Lord, we just, again, we just set this time before you. Before we finish up, Lord, just I pray as we just reprise this song one more time before we go, Lord, meet us here in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.